Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Functional Spirituality. Thank you for tuning in to this episode today, which is about my healing journey. And I've spoken about this in bits and pieces before on the podcast and also spoken about my spiritual journey, also about my journey with sexuality, some of the other big pieces that have been significant in my spiritual path. And today I want to kind of dissect and break down the healing journey that I've been on. So the different stages. And as I kind of look back through the timeline of my whole life, um, I kind of was feeling like there, there was a, like a childhood stage, which wasn't really part of my healing journey, which is more about me sort of creating or firming up my individual sense of self. So it was more of a creation phase where my conditioning was put in place and my individual sense of self. So my psychological self, as well as my physical self, my physical body were in that more developmental stages. And then there was the adolescent stage where I could actually take control of how I feel and how I develop and what inputs were going into my system. And during that adolescent stage, when I had more control, I think that's really when my, I would say a downward spiral started. And it wasn't too, it wasn't like so fast or so quick, but I started to employ unhealthy coping mechanisms to help me manage the way that I felt and the painful feelings, the feelings of suffering and disconnection that I, that I was feeling during adolescence. And I, I had control, you know, I could, you know, change the way that I looked or change who I was hanging out around, hanging around, <laughs> you know, taking drugs, using my sexuality, my appearance and things like that. And that was the downward spiral where basically as time went on and the behaviors that I was employing were taking me further and further away from myself. So from feeling and regulating myself, I was getting more and more dependent on these coping mechanisms. And this went on all the way into my 20s. So at that time, I mean, I'm looking back now at the time I, I didn't know what I was missing, but I I remember the feelings of what it felt like to experience that part of my life. You know, my preteens all the way into my 20s, there was a feeling of being lost and of being depressed and of being disconnected. I think in my preteens, I really knew I was unhappy. I used to journal a lot about my unhappiness. But as I started to get older and I was able to control my circumstances more, and go after the things that I wanted and really cultivate social connections and and use drugs and partying and find ways of enjoying myself and things that gave me pleasure and you know was able to move out of home and and try different things I didn't really know I was unhappy so the unhappiness of my preteen experiences didn't really go away. So I didn't know I was unhappy, but I I did feel lost. I felt disconnected and numb. And 
there was suffering there. There was deep, if not even deeper, suffering inside myself. But I was able to manage it with the things that I could buy. So, you know, material things and also party, <laughs> party type materials. So yeah, I was smoking a lot of weed and partying every weekend and just kind of chasing that feeling of of being connected through coping mechanisms. So like I said, yeah, this went went on right into my early 20s. And then in my early 20s, I found spirituality. And this was not a time when that downward spiral flipped to an upward spiral. Actually, something happened where it I started to manage my disconnection and my depression with, quote, healthy coping mechanisms. And this went on for years. It was so exciting when I found spirituality and meditation and alternative medicines and therapies because there were such huge promises about, and the promises were connecting to something that I had been denying that, yes, I am unhappy. I don't feel fulfilled. I don't feel connected. I I do feel lost. You know, all of these existential issues that are kind of named through these alternative therapies. And I, I mean, I remember there was like, on one of the first retreats I went on, someone was doing something called like a reconnection therapy. And back then, more than 10 years ago, you know, it was like 150 bucks and you would do this session and you'd lay down and someone would walk around the table and put their hands on your energy and start to reconnect you back to your source. And the list of the benefits, the promises were huge. And, you know, there's so many things like that. And it it was almost like a lottery. It's like, should I try this? What if this works? And so there started to be all of these promises of spiritual therapies and spiritual systems, the ancient ones and the modern ones. And then I ended up in Thailand, which some of you know about. I was participating in a yoga school over there. And that was like the next level. It it went from just being like a lottery of me being kind of skeptical, but really wanting to try because it sounded really good and the promises were so great. And what if it works? It went from that to me going to this really big school in Thailand, where the Swami there, the head teacher, was an engineer by trade. And, you know, he would give these workshops and lectures and talks and yoga classes to the hall, you know, filled with hundreds of people. So, and he would be quoting from Sanskrit texts continuously and quoting from Jung and the Bible and the Tao and, you know, from Tantra and would just be quoting and quoting, quoting. And there was just this mass hypnosis of these hundreds of people at a time, fully entranced. Because if someone speaks Sanskrit, they're automatically have this validity. It's just, <laughs> I hear it continuously, like all the time, like, oh, yeah. And then the end, they speak Sanskrit or oh and they have read some Sanskrit text and it's like this badge of authority somehow if people are well read or if they have connected somehow to the tradition we just assume that connection is valid and somehow relevant and functional to us which is a huge assumption so yeah that that school it didn't become a lottery anymore it became like I said, the Swami was an engineer, the system and the promises were very, very coherent 
very rational and very well thought out. And I just cannot stress enough the promises. You know, the promises were then a hybrid of the aggrandized promises from the classical Hatha yoga period and, and other tradition, other, you know, yoga systems and traditions in India, which have very grandiose promises of what will happen if you stand on your head and what will happen if you put this little tube up your butt and do like a kind of enema, like the promises are immortality and magical powers and endless riches, like full on promises. So it's a mix of all of those promises and then um, promises of all, all spiritual traditions, especially in India, there's an extra flavor of inflating therapeutic and spiritual claims to their practices, but all spiritual traditions are competing for your attention. They're competing for followers, for conversions. They're competing for belonging and for numbers. They're, they believe that they have the answer. And sometimes, a lot of times, if not most times, most traditions, there's very few that don't, but most traditions inflate their promises in order to build loyalty and as a way of cultivating discipline, like it served a purpose once upon a time, the faith movement and the faith, the skill of having faith and loyalty to one system was very relevant at one time for the people that it was serving. But right now, that tendency continues and has grown and has never been questioned. So just the promises that were made by that school and by that spiritual system, the they were able to make even more full-on promises with rational adults. I mean, I was only 21, but the school was filled with, you know, older people and doctors and engineers and very rational intellectual people. I mean, a lot of people just didn't, you know, appreciate it and just left. But for a lot of people, they were just entranced with these crazy promises, these crazy practices because of the charisma, because of the power dynamic, the I know best mentality that reinforces authority instead of discernment and self-navigation. So this, the guru culture, it was so strong in that school. So that wasn't the only school that I studied in, but uh, that, you know, that was one of my schools. And I, I could sense everyone could feel that something was a little bit off at this school. The toxicity of the power dynamic that was never questioned, uh, never questioned or spoken about. It was only reinforced, actually. I know best. I know best. The teachers know best. The guru knows best. Everyone else that doesn't think the guru knows best is an idiot. And there was just such a, um, yeah, very toxic culture about around that. And really, you know, this was a long time before the trauma-informed movements that are sweeping through globally through the yoga schools. And in fact, this yoga school got like ousted in a really big way, the really big scandal. So yeah, this wasn't my um, only school. I was also looking at many other things at the time, but that was one of my main schools. 
And I had this very consistent, I was well known for having a very inspiring and consistent and deep disciplined practice. So I was really full on in my practice. And, and for the most part, that practice did help me manage my suffering. I had something to go to that wasn't superficial or material or toxic physically to my body that helped me manage my discontent and my emotions to some degree. And I also developed many skills. Some of the skills that actually later did help me in my healing journey, but for the most part, that almost entirely, the tools of these schools and the tools of not just Agama in Thailand, but the tools of my other schools and all of the other things I was trying and interested in. There's so many alternative things. I was trying many things. The tools didn't connect me to my person or to my conditioning. And that is where healing lives. That's when we're talking about healing. We're not talking about enlightenment. We're not talking about personal growth. We're not talking about passions and purpose and cultivating. When we're talking about healing. It's in the three-part method of functional spirituality. Healing is the first part. It specifically refers to addressing the personal conditioning that lives in our psychological self as well as our physical self in, in the nervous system and inside the body. So the conditioning is what creates suffering. The experience of suffering is the experience of not being able to be free in the present moment, not being able to regulate in the present moment, feeling discomfort in the present moment due to the past. So how the past is conditioned our system. And that conditioning from the past is present in this moment now in an experience that feels uncomfortable or incredibly painful, the experience of suffering. Yet I and all of us, we're all told that deconditioning, that I was deconditioning and that, and I was promised freedom from suffering. I was promised love, an experience of love, of being a Buddha, of being compassionate, and all of these other things. I was promised. Yet for years, almost 10 years, none of those tools connected me to the part of myself that needed healing and were the actual skills, tools, and framework that facilitate healing. They were all other tools. <laughs> they were all energy tools or spiritual tools or awakening tools, enlightenment tools or personal development tools that are about developing the person, not about resolving the conditions that live inside of our system from the past. There's an episode just last month about the clear path to awakening, which talks about the difference between awakening techniques and tools compared to healing techniques and tools, which is the most significant difference. So, so important for us to have that discernment. For me in 2018, then I had a mental health crisis and I was, you know, all of that management and coping, spiritual coping mechanisms eventually 
didn't work anymore because I was actually running a lot of containers. I was running the studio. I was navigating relationships with my mom, with my partner, running a lot of really intense containers, like long form and short intensive teacher trainings and silent retreats. I was running a small business at the age of 26. So there was a lot of really intense containers that I was running in. And I ended up in 2018 with a really big mental health crisis that really destabilized me. And it brought a lot of discernment to the big gap around mental health and the physical body inside of spirituality. It became very obvious. And even in modern science, mental health and the physical body, how it can really be treated, it's only now becoming a holistic field. Before, you know, it hasn't, obviously, mental health has not been treated in the, you know, hundreds of years that we've had psycho, you know, modern psychological interventions. And before that, it was more like, religious, spiritual, mental health interventions, obviously they haven't worked because we live in a very traumatized culture. That's a culture that proliferates mental health issues. So that means it's not getting better over time. It's not getting treated, but it's getting a little bit worse. It means the systems haven't been working. And now we're really lucky that modern science and modern psychology is becoming a holistic field. We've tipped over to really understand what is causing the suffering? What is causing the dysregulation? And, you know, the different forms of complex stress and developmental trauma are now budding as fields and have a lot of promise for how it's going to change the way that mental health is being treated. And then how spirituality has tackled this has been super disjointed. Also, but this has been going on for millennia, the way that spirituality has spoken about and tried to address suffering or mental health issues and dysregulation and disconnection has been, they've been speaking about it for thousands of years. And obviously it doesn't work just evidently because of how we see our, our world is now. And also from what we know historically how spirituality has shown up historically is repulsive, you know, in so many ways and does not, is not anything that we would want for our culture now. Yet we glorify the tradition somehow and we want this kind of, there's just this, the mystical East and the mystical ancient traditions that have secret jewels and magic enlightenment and only we could connect to the lineage and the guru. And that is a very archaic and problematic way of thinking about anything, a way of thinking about growth and spirituality and healing. Actually, we want to learn from the mistakes of the past. We want to see what benefits there were beneficial practices and skills have been spoken about in the past, but we need a new approach. We need a new paradigm. We've been living in an age of trauma for millennia. We don't want to go backwards. We want to move forwards 
yes, meditation and beautiful mystic spirituality and ideas does exist in our history on this planet, but it's problematic in my eyes to blindly and entirely adopt any philosophies from systems from the past. It's problematic to blindly adopt anything at any time, but there's this idea that because it's from the past, it's automatically more pure, but that's absolutely not the case. It's actually just the roots of the dysfunction that we are experiencing now. And I mean, that's my continuous and forever rant. You can hear it on other episodes. <laughs> like, um, you know, there's no such thing as traditional yoga. Um, and what is yoga? And, you know, looking at how we glorify any yoga now that has claims that it's rooted deeper in the past and, and how that's problematic. So what we, you know, as I reflect over my healing journey, there was a time after 2018 when my healing journey went from, you know, first the downward spiral of the behaviors. And as time went on, I was getting more disconnected from myself. Then it went into more of a, from a downward spiral to just like a management period, you know, just horizontal line. And then after 2018, it went into an upward spiral where no matter how hard it felt, no matter how many challenges that I had, it felt incredible to know that every day I was getting more and more connected to myself and I was resolving material in my system, even though I was at like rock bottom. So I was lower than where I was when I was managing or in a downward spiral. I felt lower, but it was so clear that I was on an upward spiral now and that the, a momentum was building and I wasn't going backwards and I wasn't going nowhere. I was going upward. I was getting more connected to myself and every day I was healing. I was actually on a healing journey. And that, you know, looking back on that healing journey now, like looking at how much space I have now inside of my system, like the spaces that I can hold for people that are are experiencing so much pain or toxicity or trauma, and they're deep in that. And the effortless, loving, connected space that I can hold around myself and that person now is, I guess, the evidence to me that there has been so much healing. Like, also because it hasn't been so long ago, it wasn't so long ago that I was in that deepest, darkest place. And to be able to just experience like, wow, I can, I can feel the difference of like, wow, I can just hold this space. I feel so connected and so present in this space that normally would would be triggering of the pain that was already inside me and I wouldn't be able to cope, I wouldn't be able to handle it, um, wouldn't be present, wouldn't want to connect, would want to, you know, get away somehow, even if not physically, but somehow put a distance in and put and cause harm in some ways and have these other dysfunctional patterns. And instead there's, yeah, there's just this space around so many of the challenges that arise on a daily basis. And as I look back, you know, I look at what what has created that upward spiral and things in three. And 
inside of healing, which is one of the three parts of the functional spirituality method, healing, cultivating, awakening. But inside of healing, there's also three parts. There's a few skills that we need, a few tools that we can use. And then there's a framework, a theory of understanding that brings objectivity and clarity. So we can step out and step into our, step out of, you know, the the stress and the dysregulation and the compulsion and the past and the conditioning. So we step out of that into the framework of understanding, which brings objectivity. We can see things clearly. It immediately brings us hope. And hopelessness is the most painful emotion a human being can feel. It is the hardest, most difficult emotion, hopelessness. So, and what we then, you know, one of the things we most want and need as a foundation for our spiritual and for our healing practice is we need to feel hope. We need to feel like there's support, clarity, a path. And that's what the framework does. So a clear framework for healing, then we need some tools and we need some skills to apply those tools. And that's, you know, in very brief, the three part, three parts of healing that come together to create the upward spiral. And I know a lot of you will resonate and identify with this feeling of like, I'm being on a spiritual path and I feel like I'm just managing things or I don't feel like I'm an upward spiral or sometimes I feel like I'm on a downward spiral. And then to that, I I can tell you like there is a clear path to healing as well. And The reason that you are not on an upward spiral is because that clear path hasn't been made clear to you. We have been living in a paradigm of false healing or dysfunctional healing. Healers are so burnt out. Healers are so crazy. Healers are so toxic. What does that tell you about our healing culture? And it's not like obvious either. A lot of the healers and gurus that we follow only come out later after years of our loyalty to be super toxic and only to ourselves after we've done so much loyalty to our systems and we've practiced healing and we've supported so many people. And we can tell it's not really, we're We're so uncomfortable with the incompleteness of what we're offering. And then it comes out later after all of this loyalty and all of this effort that it didn't actually work. It didn't work for the people that we support and it didn't work for us. We end up broken, disillusioned, even more disconnected somehow. So I know this will resonate in different ways for a lot of you. And for those of you who have found that upward spiral, I hope this resonates for you as well. And I'm sure you've seen, or hopefully you've seen, if not, I'll share with you now that the end of January, January 30th and 31st, 2023, we have two workshops, a little workshop series about healing, and it's completely free. So I hope you can join us. They're two live 50-minute workshops with me where I'll be going through some of the framework, some of the skills, and some of the tools for healing, just to elaborate a little bit more. So I really hope that you can join us making the most out of my time and join us live. Otherwise, you can also watch the replay. So head over to our website, which is just functionalspirituality.com and sign up for the free workshop 
because we've run a lot of free workshops over the past few years and they're always really helpful. And it's just a time for you to kind of unplug from everything else and plug in to something that's really going to nourish you, going to bring a lot of clarity and insights. And the good thing about the workshops is that they are providing information and frameworks that are coherent in a way that actually start to reorganize your behavior. So knowledge can affect behavior. Of course, knowledge is in the mind. Behavior is more in our kind of actions, but they are linked. If we believe and understand things to be a different way, we will behave in a different way. So that's one of the benefits of of coming along and enjoying a free workshop with us. So if you have any questions, just as always, reach out to us. Love to hear how this episode resonated with you and your healing journey. It's always nice to share on our podcast commenting post inside the Facebook group so everyone else can receive your feedback as well and and your ideas and your journey. It brings a nice connection to the community. And even better than all of that, in March, we start our next round of the therapeutic embodiment training. So that training is the entire healing method, everything about healing. So going really completely and deep into the framework of healing, into the skills and into the tools. So nothing is left out when we're thinking about the healing part of our spiritual practice, the removal of suffering, the repairing of our nervous system, everything that has to do with healing, which is about improving our experience, our personal experience of every moment of our life through resolving unhelpful conditions from the past that live inside us. So that starts early March and We'll have more information about that soon and also an early bird price and um, discounts if you've done silent retreat with us or yoga teacher training with us and you're just continuing your study. So that is definitely the best, most complete course for going through this healing journey. It's over eight months, it has private mentoring with me and an incredible course behind it, an incredible learning experience. Really well paced because I've run many, many courses and know how hard it can be to stay focused in a course, even if it's in person. So all of that has been considered so you can be supported to make the most out of it. So looking forward to sharing more about that with you in the next few weeks. And I hope you've enjoyed this episode and you're keeping up your meditations this year with the podcast um, or otherwise. And I look forward to speaking to you soon and seeing you in the free workshop. Bye for now. Thank you for tuning in to the Functional Spirituality Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you subscribe by pressing the plus button on iTunes or the following button on Spotify. This is going to ensure that this resource is available and top of mind when you most need it. So please subscribe now.